0: Today I, will and Today I will believe and confess that Jesus Christ was wounded for my transgressions. That Jesus was for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And by, stripes, and by Jesus' stripes, I am healed. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father God. We come before you in the name of Jesus Christ once again thanking you for the opportunity to be in the house of the Lord. Father, we exalt your name above all names, Heavenly Father, above all of our problems, above anything that comes to beset us, because we know that you are the one and true God. Father, it is in you that we live, move, and have our being. And Father, that every answer that we need, we can find in you. You said if we seek, we shall find. If we knock, the door will be open. And Father, we ask that right now, that this time that we've come, that we've come with an expectation that we will receive something, some nugget that will help us, Heavenly Father, to continue to push forward and to be a better believer. Father, we thank you even now, and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, so we're going to start off in the word real quick here. Uh, I'd like for everyone, if you have your Bible, to go to Ecclesiastes chapter three. Ecclesiastes chapter three, and we're gonna read verse one through nine. It's a pretty familiar uh, scripture. And uh, so we'll read that. When, when you get to Ecclesiastes chapter three, say amen. amen. I heard one amen. All right, well, we're going to go ahead. It's on the monitor if you don't have it, and we'll read Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 through 9. It says, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away. A time to rend, and a time to sew, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, A time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. What profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? So, amen. So, we just read that scripture, and um, what we're going to talk about today, the the title of my message is Seasons Change. Seasons Change. And it's a fairly simple one, it's no, uh, we're not gonna try to get you all riled up, but um, that's the topic, seasons change. And there are times that people don't realize the season that they're in. Obviously what we just read in Ecclesiastes tells us that there's a time for everything under the sun. Um, some of it may not be good for, to us at the time, but it's gonna happen. You know, it talks about a time to kill and a time to heal. Well, you know, the killing part, none of us are gonna get out of here alive, so we might as well prepare for what is coming. So also, we must understand that every season changes in preparation for the next. So many times we don't realize the season we're in, but every season changes in preparation for the next season, okay? So we should be in the process of preparing for the season to come. For example, there are certain things that are going to happen, right? At some point, you know, the Bible talks about there's a, there's a time that comes that no man shall work. You know, when, when the sun is down and when we're in that portion of our life where we're heading to the end, no man shall work. So we should be making some preparations for retirement. Now, if you don't have a ton of money set aside, that's fine. You can start now. You can, and, and God also, money helps, but God doesn't say that you have to have a ton of money to retire. But we do need to be making plans for that and thinking ahead so we get to that point and we're just kind of like, okay, I don't know what I'm gonna do. There's also a time and season that we think about child childcare. Uh, see Brother Harry and him over there. They're, they've had a, their, their babies very young. So they're thinking, okay, how are we gonna do this? You know, how are we gonna take care of our child? Um, so those are also things that, that, that's the season in the life that they're in. They're in that season where they're thinking about childcare. on my, myself, that's kind of over with. I'm thinking, how do I get my children out the house? You know, and how do I uh, get them to come back too? You know, all at the same time. Uh, we think about, you know, our work years. You know, if you're in that season where you're working, what you wanna do, how you wanna do it, what changes you may wanna make, how much work you want to do, how much work you don't want to do. Do you want to work from home? Do you want to own your own business? Do you want to be an employee? So all of those are things that happen for all of us at different seasons in our life. So as we are making preparation, one good thing that we ought to do, and if you haven't done it, you should go in your yard or around your house and just watch the ant. Because right now, we're still in that summertime, right? And ants, do a really good job of preparation. They're they're preparing for a season. They're doing what we should be doing right now. And again, I raise my hand. I start off with me. There's some things that we're trying to prep for and do that I may not have done the best job of. But if you go and take your example from the ant, and the Bible talks about that, which is why I use it, you will see the other day I was outside doing some things, and I just noticed some ants, and I started following them. And, man, they were just going everywhere, and they were in sync going, gathering food, and I didn't see what hole they went into because at some point, I just got tired almost because they were working so hard getting ready for that time when they really don't come out. If you notice in wintertime, you don't see many ants. They're, they're pretty dormant, you don't see them coming out, but this time of year, they're out doing their thing, and not just ants, but you know, if you see bees and all, they're out doing certain things because they know that at a certain time of year, they can't gather. So if you're in that season where it's time for you to be gathering, you need to be gathering. If you're a child and you're, you're growing up, you need to be learning. And even as adults, we need to continue to be learning because everything changes. Okay? So seasons have a purpose. Seasons are defined as each of four divisions of the year, spring, summer, autumn and winter, marked by particular weather patterns and daylight hours resulting from the earth's changing position in regard to the sun. The sun, that sun, not Jesus Christ, the sun. But in the same way, we should be making those preparations around Jesus Christ, the S-O-N. But as we're talking right now, we're talking about natural seasons. So there are natural seasons, as I just described, winter, spring, summer, and autumn, or fall as we call it. And then there are man-made seasons, which one of them we're in right now, football season. You know, that's the time when everybody's out and they're saying, Brother Chris, don't take too long because somebody's probably playing on Sunday that I want to go watch, right? So there are man-made seasons, and then there's those seasons that always come. And we have to be careful with both, just like we have to prepare, you know, right now. What I normally do is in the spring I go buy my winter clothes for the next year because they're much cheaper. So if you're trying to buy winter clothes right now, that price is going to be going up. So if you haven't, you might want to go do that right now. But the, the little bit that I buy, you know, I'll usually buy that in the spring. So that we should be making preparations. But these man-made seasons that man has placed, we need to be careful. We need to be extremely careful because we can get caught up sometimes into some things that man blows up because he wants to make more and more and more money. See, the way the NFL works and college football and all of these uh, leagues, they make their money based on eyeballs. So however many eyeballs they can get to watch their game or watch whatever, they can sell more ads to to businesses and that's how they turn profits and they're able to make these big deals. And then there's other periphery things that fall off on that. But we have to be careful of man-made seasons, uh, festivals and all sorts of things, because we can get caught up in some things that take our eyes off of God. The whole purpose in seasons is to keep us going from one thing to the next. In a a man-made season, to keep us going from one thing to the next, football season, basketball season, uh, whatever season is after that. Right now, we we were a little bit dormant a couple weeks ago because the season hadn't started. Some people were like, I can't wait till football season, I can't wait till football season, and that's great. but we also have to remember that we can't get so caught up in man-made seasons and man-made things that it draws our eye off of God. I'll tell you a little bit about myself. At one time, I I was kind of caught in that cycle of doing things, and it wasn't so much, well, it was a season in my life, I don't know if it was just a season during the year, that um, the church that I went to had an evening service on Sunday. Well, I played basketball. And for me, at that time, basketball was what I wanted to be doing on a Sunday evening. I didn't want to go to church on Sunday evening. I mean, I wanted to go, but there was basketball. So I had these two things going on. I had, do I go to church, or do I go with the fellas and play basketball? And so, eventually I had to make a decision. And God helped me make that decision, because I was out playing on one of those days and I sensed from the Spirit the Holy Spirit, that, okay, you need to be going to church tonight. Well, I didn't. And being out there, I played, and probably the last play of the game, I turned my ankle. And I think that was the last time that I went out to play basketball on a Sunday night. I shut that down because it was pretty clear to me what I should have been doing. And maybe it was a coincidence, maybe it wasn't. But I knew that at that time, that was something that I needed to shut down, okay? So, seasons, um, so we talked about seasons. I, I gave a brief definition of what seasons are. Change. Change is basically just to make something different, to alter something or to modify it. That's what change is. Now, we have, we, we have these seasons and they're regular, and we'll talk a little bit about that, how that came about a little bit later. But change is always happening. There's a saying that goes, the only thing that's constant is change, basically meaning that things are constantly moving from what, things don't stand still, things are not constant, they're always changing. So in that, we have to recognize that, um, we have to recognize that as seasons change, those seasons are gonna pretty much stay the same. Winter, spring, summer, fall, that's always gonna be there. But, and in those seasons, there will be change. It won't stay constant, but we can recognize that those things are gonna be going on. And so we recognize also that the change that's taking place in there, God sees it, God knows. We just have to stand firm in whatever it is that we're going through, whether it's hardships, whether it's fun, whatever, these things are gonna happen. Constantly changing. The only, thing that const- that, that the only thing that is a constant is change. Now, what I'd like to do is look at a few seasons in the Bible. Look at a few um, things that took place. And I'm not going to go to a scripture, but we'll talk a little bit about this. There was a time before when, when Jesus was being crucified. Pilate had a season that he was going through at that time. There was a lot of pressure on him because they brought him, brought Jesus to Pilate. Before all of that happened, uh, before before they brought him, there was a bunch of things going on. Jesus had come into the city. Um, The festival was going on. They seized Jesus and then they scourged him and then they brought him to Pilate. Pilate was not prepared. For his season, and he failed the test. He failed during this season. And here's why we know that Pilate failed. We know basically what the Bible says and what he did. But if you remember, his wife told him, she said, have thou nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things this day because of the dream that I had. That's what his wife said. So Pilate had forewarning from his wife. What, you know, don't, don't have anything to do with him. But Pilate tried to kind of finesse this thing. He tried to play both sides of it. So he knew after he talked to Jesus that Jesus was a just man, that he didn't deserve death. He said it himself. However, because of his fear of the Romans and because of his fear of the Jews and what was going to take place as a result of that and how he could be dealt with or demoted, he washed his hands. and said when he came out, And he brought Jesus out and asked, what do I do with him? He said he came out in front of the people, and Pilate washed his hands. But still, Pilate had the power to release Jesus, and he didn't. So Pilate failed that test. Pilate had forewarning. Has anybody like myself, and I'm not getting down on Pilate. I don't know maybe what I would have done if I were in in that seat. But I know myself, I failed some tests knowing what should have been justly done and not doing them. I have passed a few. I think yesterday we were working, and um, so I, I do a lot of work, concession-type work, and there were a bunch of people out, and so it was hot, and people were coming and asking, hey, I want just water, I wanna buy some water. And so before I got there to talk to some of my workers, who many of which were new, people were just kind of coming to the side while the line was way down the way. And that's just not fair. And I try to have some integrity in what I do um, because of what we believe. And so eventually I went to each person and said, look, we can't take these little side deals where people are coming up because it's not fair to all of these people here. We're going to attend to those people, and we're going to take care of what's going on here. So as I was doing that, this guy comes up and says, hey, man, i give you $20 for a water. And I looked at him and I said, Nah, man, we don't roll like that. And the guy looked at me, and I was astonished. He looked at me, and he held out his hand and said, I got you, bruh. So for all of us, when we're going through and doing things, and we have to make those decisions, you know, the worst thing that can happen to a believer is the best thing that can happen to a believer. Now, he could have done something else. He could have came up in my face. He could have punched me. He could have done all kind of stuff. But again... The worst thing that can happen to a believer is the best thing that can happen to a believer. So whether, somebody, whether the guy came up and killed me or whatever, I get the victory because I died doing something that was right. Now, that's kind of an extreme example there. But if I died doing something right, there's a reward for me in heaven. I'm not being macabre or anything. I'm not trying to go out like that. I want to be around and you know, do like everybody else. But I also believe, I made up my mind a long time ago that in whatever season, whatever comes, I'm going to try my best to do what the Bible says and be just before man and God. Because it's important in our daily walk that what we do, because sometimes we don't get a chance to talk to everybody about who Jesus Christ is or minister to people in a way. You know, you may not get an opportunity to talk to a person for a long time, but you can live in front of them. And I promise you, If you're living correctly before Jesus, there are going to be some people that's going to hate on you. They ain't going to want to, you know, deal with you. They're going to want you to do things their way because, again, money is the root of all kinds of evil. But you can also recognize that there is going to be somebody somewhere that's going to be in admiration of you, whether they ever say it or not, if you handle your business as a believer, okay? Remember, the worst thing that can happen to a believer is the best thing that can happen to a believer. Let's talk about a couple other people here. We'll talk about uh, James and Jude. These were basically Jesus' stepbrothers. This was Mary and Joseph's children. their sons. So these were Jesus' stepbrothers. During, that, during the time that Jesus was on the earth, Mary, his mother, loved him. I'm sure Joseph did. But some of his brothers and sisters, they didn't really... Believe what was going on. Many times it's hard to believe somebody when they're doing things when they're close to you. And these were was his family sometimes, and they really didn't get what was going on. Jesus was doing all of these things, miracles, all of this power that he had. If you remember when he went home, not his family, but the people in the town said, Who is this? This This the carpenter's son doing all of this, telling us all of this? Man, get on from here. That's basically what they said to him. And as Jesus was um, getting ready again to go into Jerusalem. His 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 mother and his brothers and sisters came for him, and that was the time when Jesus said, "You know who are my mother and my brothers and sisters." It is, basically, he said, "It is those that believe. Here are my mothers and brothers and sisters that are sitting here listening and talking to me." But his mother, his his brothers and sisters, and his mother came because they figured that Jesus should be doing this a little bit different. They were like, look, man, and this is what they wanted to tell him. This is why they were coming, because they really thought he was a lunatic. They thought he was crazy. They thought the Savior was out of his mind, simply because he wasn't really putting himself out there. If you go through and read the gospel, you'll always see that Jesus drew away, and the crowd came to him. He wasn't trying to put this out to the Pharisees and the rulers of the law. He always kind of drew away. So his family was like, if you're doing all of this, man, you should be having power. You should, you know, like we say now, you should get your brand out there. Put it on social media. Let everybody know what you're doing, man. Show everybody your way, how you got this power. you raising people from the dead, and you're doing this and doing that in your season. But that wasn't Jesus' way. So James and Jude, his stepbrothers, they they were in that crowd too. They didn't, they didn't believe. But after Jesus died, after that the seed was planted, and, and the, when Jesus came back, Jude and James, which there are two, bio, two, two uh, books that are written in the Bible after these guys, they believe because we have evidence of what is written in James and Jude. So sometimes there are things that go on. There's a season in our life where there's disbelief. Some of us came up in the church. Some of us may not have. Some of us may have grown up in the streets, wherever. That's a season in our life. But once we come to Christ, those old things are are, are put away, and all things become new. Because God renews something in our spirit, it's up to us to renew our mind by the reading of the Word, by meditating on, on the Word, by the Holy Spirit, allowing Him to counsel us. And that's how we then can change the whole context of our life, that whole season that we're in. We can turn the whole season of our life around by giving our life to Christ and recognizing that something is new in our life when we accept him, okay? So James and Jude had a, had a, a stark turnaround as a result of them dealing with their stepbrother. They believed then, so much so that we can now go back to the book of James and go back to the short book of Jude and see what they were saying about their their brother, about their master, about their savior, which they called him in those books. So those are a couple of the the seasons that I kind of wanted to chat a little bit about. Now, I mentioned a little bit earlier about the season that we have with our children. And children, excuse me, and children are kind of like this. This is an arrow. It can be a decent weapon by itself, but it's, it's really not that big, it's not that heavy. Just like the baby over there, she's not that big, she's not that heavy right now. And I mean, if I wanted to, I could probably do that and it would snap, I'm not gonna do that. Um, but it's a, a pretty phenomenal piece of weaponry that has been used for a very long time, okay? Now, children, are kind of like this arrow. It's pretty good, it, 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 you know it's okay, but it doesn't. you can't do a whole lot without direction and without some power behind it. So as parents, and when we're parenting, we have a season that we're kind of like this. This is kind of what our parenting is like. This isn't just a bow, this is a compound bow. If you notice. It has like all this stuff on here, I'm not gonna mess with it a whole lot because I'm not a a marksman, I'm not an archer or anything. But there are people uh, that that hunt with these things that, that really know how to use them. But this becomes pretty remarkable because of this. So your children become remarkable because of what you put into them. I've always mentioned and I've always said that as parents, the only thing that we can do for our children is create an environment around them for them to succeed. Now, once you've done that, and this is where I draw my piece, in that if I was able to give our, my children an environment to succeed that, uh, just like I was given, my parents didn't have much money. I remember going in the store, and my mom and them say, okay, now, don't be do asking for all of that. This is what we're going to get. You know, and that's it. So you do. We line up, man, just like little soldiers, and we walk in the store and get our this stuff and come on out. But, you can do that without the things that a lot of people now are putting their faith and trust in, which is money. And how I must, you know, can I put my kid here? And you should. If you put your kids in the best schools, do that. You know, do all of that. But the things that money can't buy, you know, direction, sound advice from the Bible, those type of things that we, that we can give to our children. You know, a safe and loving home. You know, those things don't require a lot of money. Uh, Time with your children, you know, talking to them about certain things, teaching them how to be respectful, teaching them how to be obedient to those that are around them that, you know, that, that they need to be around. You have to watch. You can't just tell them to be obedient to every adult, obviously, in this day and time. But those that are around that you know have a certain level of, of decency and, and that know the Lord, you can, you can put them in that environment for them to succeed. Now, even when we do that sometimes, again— there are seasons in people's lives. Sometimes they don't, our children may not do exactly what we want them to do. They, they may not, I mean, we don't control that. But again, I take, uh, I, I, I take solace in the fact that, not that, we, not that I was perfect, not that my wife was perfect, but that we tried. And we did everything according to the Bible, according to the word. We tried to put them in places and environments where they, they could succeed. We didn't always hold their hands, because, you know, when they're small, we can't let her go out to school right now. He gotta hold her, he gotta bring her to the car, he gotta do everything for her right now. But then there'll come a time, like Kezia, you know, she's out doing her thing now, and you have to let her hand go, and you have to let her make some mistakes here and there, but you're always there as a calming voice, and you're praying for them, and all those things, that they go in the right direction. But, again, when they're that age, And growing up, five, six years old, you're putting everything into them. And this thing here can take down a whole bunch of stuff. This little deal here. You know, if we train up a child in the way he should go, and he grows old, we'll not depart from it. If you take this thing here and keep practicing, you can get really, really good. And this thing here can do a lot of damage to the kingdom of death. That's the devil's kingdom. And that's what we should be pushing for, training our children in the word, so that this here can become powerful because of the parenting that we give to our children, right? So we want to remember that in those seasons, excuse me, I'm gonna sit this back down, that in those seasons in our life, that with our children, that with people around us, that we pour into them in those times. So I want to talk a little bit about, again, I'm gonna go back and talk a little bit about what the seasons kind of bring. So in wintertime, in, in the winter time, that's a time of kind of isolation. So sometimes, when we're in that winter portion of our life, this is how you know. There's a time that you may be praying, asking, seeking things, and it just don't seem like you get. You know, in the winter time, we kind of isolate in our homes. We don't get out as much usually as we do in the other times of year because it's cold and. Sometimes it can be rainy. Even on the sunny days, it's nice, but, you know, it's nice to get some sun, but it's just not like it is during the spring or during the summer. Sometimes there's loss during the winter. I know for myself, you know, th- th- there's a season that I'm going through, I'm not like losing everything, but there's a, some things going on in my life, and I'm like, Lord, what is that? What's going on? Now, I've been able to keep pushing and going on, but definitely in that portion of my life, there's, I know there's some winter. And I'm like, I'm not letting the devil take me down on this. But many times it's during those times where you have to draw closer to God so that He can help you to understand. Even though you may be praying, like, Lord, what's going on? And you see all this stuff blowing up around you, you know that He's there because the seasons don't affect God. It affects us. God is there, He's constant. The only thing that's constant is change, but not for God. That's for us. God is constant, He doesn't change. He doesn't flip, he doesn't tell you one day I heal and then the next day I don't. What he says, you can put that in concrete. We know that that's what that is. So the winter is kind of like that in our life. There's isolation, it's, it's kind of cold. It, it's and in different parts of the world, winters are different, Okay, even in the places that they call paradise. It may not be cold like it is in Minnesota, but the temperature does drop some. So then from winter, we go into spring and obviously spring is a time of rebirth and you know, flowers are blooming as we can see in nature. But for us as people in our springs, many times on jobs that we're doing, you know, things are happening for us, we're getting things and you know, we see things blossoming and growing. Okay? So that's a, usually we look forward to that coming out of that cold, those first few warm days in the natural. We look forward to spring because we're tired of being cooped up and we want to get out do all sorts of things. But as we do those things, we also have to remember that in our springtime, we're still thinking about what's going on next. It makes me think of the planting season as we go from spring to summer, and we know something about summer from the heat that we just had, that even in that time, even though it didn't feel good, I know this year here in Louisiana, uh, it was super hot. It felt like somebody was sitting there with a blower in your face uh, just a few weeks ago. It seems like it's starting to break a little, but as we move from spring to summertime, summer has its, its purpose. The sun is usually out, the days are longer, the light is more intense. Why? Because in summertime, it's preparing plants, it's preparing even us for a direction that we want to go through. We're gonna be going in the fall, so right now it's maximum growth. Everything is growing. The type of heat that we had, it burned some stuff up, but there were still certain things that just grew and thrived through it. It tests us sometimes. When we're in the summer of our lives, there's a lot of pushing down on us. There's a lot of things that that are going on. Usually we're juggling things because in the winter and in the spring, especially in the winter, we, we were preparing, hopefully, for what would go on in the spring and in the summer. So usually it's pretty busy and all sorts of things are going on. Things are popping here and there, You're working, you're preparing this. Uh, Even in our daily lives, we we start thinking forward towards the fall and even towards the winter during summertime. So there's a reason for that heat beating down on us. It can be a little rough, but as we make it through and as we are right now in this season, hopefully the the, the summertime is broken, the heat is broken. You can kind of fall back when you hear that first, when we get that first crisp, cool air that, uh, when you go out in the morning, you're not sweating anymore. The, the humidity has gone down. We're moving towards fall and autumn. In the fall, or as we call it, autumn, in, in autumn, as we call it fall here uh, in Louisiana, that's that time of harvest. If you notice, there's all kinds of festivals and things. If you drive across the river, uh, I guess late October, November, they start burning the sugarcane and. They're they're harvesting all from the work that they did during the summertime. Many times the same way in our lives. When we're in that fall portion of our life, we can be assured that we're going through that harvest. We're, We're gathering from all of the work that we did in the spring and in the summer, but also in the fall. And I know for myself, I'm prepping for things for later on as we go back into that winter, okay? So in our lives, we know that those things are gonna come. It's important that we keep up with them it's, it's important that we be prepared. And being prepared means that you're taking care of those little things so when those times come, you're not caught off guard. I know for, for, for what I do, there's a ton of preparation in, in, what, in what, what I do in my business. If I'm not, I'm gonna be, in the proverbial saying, I'll be caught there with my pants down, and you're just looking while all these people looking at you, I don't wanna be like that. So. We spend plenty of time just getting, trying to dot all our I's and all our little T's. And as I was talking to uh, one of my workers, um, we were just talking about all the things that we had to do to get prepared. And And we do that because we know that we work with physical things. Something's gonna break. Something's not gonna be right. And if we're not totally prepared, we know that everything is gonna stop. The wheels are gonna come to a complete grind. And we're, we're going to be sitting there looking at and people will be looking at us like, man, y'all stupid. How'd how this happen? Y'all should have known that. And guess what? They're right. And in the same way, when we look in the mirror and things start going like that outside of things that are normal that happen, you know, certain things just happen, you don't have any way of knowing. But when those things start to happen, you should look in that mirror and you should say, you know what? I was stupid. I didn't prepare. So it's important for us as believers to be prepared so that as we go through these seasons, we're not caught, you know, just people looking at us and saying that, you know, we're not doing what we're supposed to do or we're not where we're supposed to be. Uh, So next, I want to go, let's go to Genesis. We're going to read in Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. When you get there say amen, please. Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. And why? thank you. I heard an amen there. So I'm gonna just talk a little bit about this. So in Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, um, obviously Noah, when he went through the flood and God decided he would destroy the earth and everything, they had come to this point where the flood was over, the waters receded, God stopped the rain and the water that was flowing out of the ground, he decreased that and, you know, they were getting prepped to come back out onto this new and uh, changed earth that, that, uh, that was there. And so the scripture says, while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. While the earth remaineth, while the earth is still here, there's going to be seed time and harvest. There's going to be cold and there's going to be heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. So what I hear in that is prepare for that. Prepare for seed time. Prepare for harvest. So if you plant, you should expect to harvest something. It's going to be cold outside. Get you a coat. It's going to be hot outside. You need to prepare for that. Winter, uh, day and night, it won't cease. So there's gonna be day and night as long as there's an earth until Jesus come back. So those are things that we know. And he gave that to Noah and he gave Noah some other signs because he wanted to put something into motion that we could follow. He wanted to make certain that we knew that there was, that this is how it was gonna be. We could count on these things. Even though there would be change in all of those for each of us in in our own lives, we could count on those things. Let's go to chapter to uh, Second Timothy, while you have your Bibles open. Second Timothy, chapter four, verses one through five. Second Timothy, chapter four, verse one through five. And we're talking about seasons changing, seasons change. Second Timothy, chapter four, one through five. Okay, I'm going to read it. It says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Hold right there. Go back to verse one. So it says, who shall judge the quick and the dead. The quick basically is an archaic word for those that are alive. He's gonna judge the, those that are alive and those that are dead when he come at, at his appearing and his kingdom. Next verse. It says, Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Stay right there, please. Preach the word is what it's telling us. Paul is telling Timothy, you know, preach the word. Don't preach your favorite pastor. Don't preach about the money you can get as being a believer. Don't preach about it. It says, Preach the word. It may not ring in the way that you want it to, but he's specific. He says, preach the word. And then he goes on and said, be instant. We know what instant is. Like instant grits. Just pour some hot water on and bam, there, you don't have to wait a long time. He says, be at a point where you can just get that word out. Hide that word in your heart so you can get it out. It says, reprove. Now, when we reprove somebody, it's different from a rebuke. A reprove is when we tell someone something. We, we may correct someone, but we do it lovingly. You know, it's not harsh. Uh, if somebody says uh, if someone says something that's not right, OK, some, somebody says something wrong, you would then just tell them, well, look, I don't know if that's the way that that's supposed to go, but would you consider this? That's kind of what a reprove is. A rebuke is a little different. A rebuke, you usually kind of come straight out at people. Paul said he rebuked Peter to his face, so he went to Peter, got in his face. So I don't think he'd have a reason to lie and say he wrote him a letter. If he wrote him a letter, Paul would have said, "I wrote him a letter to rebuke him." He said, "I rebuked Peter to his face because of some things that Peter did." Okay, so a rebuke is different from a reprove. Then it says, "Exhort with all long suffering and doctrine." To exhort is to, as he says, preach the word, be an instant. In- preach the word be instant in season and out of season. When we exhort people, we encourage, we, we uh, try to give them something to, to, to hang their hat on as far as the word is concerned. When we're exhorting, we're giving exhortation to the word of God, using long-suffering, which means we may have to be buffeted a little bit by people, people doing things to us, but we may have to suffer some. That's not a good and fun thing. But again, in those seasons, there's All kind of things that happen. I know there's some things that happen to myself, and I'm sure to you guys as well, that you just don't like. And the Bible tells us that we should be becoming more and more and more like Christ. Christ took a lot of stuff for us to have our salvation, right? So we should recognize that there's going to be things that people say to us that, like myself sometimes, you want to get up in somebody's face but you have to suck it up sometimes, man. And it's not easy, but the more you do it, the more you start recognizing that dead men, see, we're dead men as believers. We're dead. We're dead to this world. Our minds should be becoming more and more Christ-like, that when people say certain things to us, the first few times it's going to be tough. It's going to feel like that arrow, somebody shot you in the heart and you want to get back at them. However, the more you're able to do it, the less you hear, the foolishness that they're saying. It's kind of like, okay, man, I got you. And this, this, this whole believer thing, it's a walk, man. It's not, it's not easy. You, you have to go through some things sometimes to get where Jesus wants you to be. It's not easy, and that's why everybody don't do it, because it ain't easy. There's a whole bunch of easy stuff we can get out there and do. The Bible said that salvation is free, but it don't mean it don't cost. It's free. you know. You can say the prayer, and you have to believe in your heart and all that. But there's a cost to it. And the cost is, sometimes you're going to have to let your ego go. Sometimes you're going to have to take some things in order to help the brother man get to where he needs to be. Sometimes people are going to say some things to you, and you can't bring it up even later on, even though it's getting your goat. you got to pray for... Nah, there's several people I'm praying for right now. I don't want to pray for them, Lord, <laughs> because that ain't cool. I don't want to do that. These people have done some stuff to me. However, it's... You know, God is intentional about us being built up. So we go through those things, and we have to do some long-suffering in order to get where we need to be. So he says, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine, and doctrine being the word. Next verse, please. It says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Who is they? They meaning it could be the world, it could be people in the church. It says, but after their own lust shall they repeat to themselves teachers, having itching ears. So I think he was talking to the church because he's talking to Timothy. And when he was talking to Timothy, he was talking to Timothy about preaching. So he's talking to church folk. He says, for the time will come when they, the church folk, will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. We were, my wife and I were talking about a man that I know, he actually came to uh, our wedding that I met. One of the first people I met when I came to uh, Baton Rouge, and he was telling her yesterday that he's a he's a minister, and he was telling her that there are churches that he has gone to, and there's certain I guess ministers, if I'm correct, that they just haven't accepted him. They've, you know, they don't want to deal with him because he's done some things. You know, he said he had gone to some church, and he prophesied about something there. And they kicked him out, kicked him out the church. Said, we don't do that here. Get on out of here with that. That, Now, that's in the Bible. Now, you know, I wasn't there. I don't know how all of that went. But people many times, believers many times, they want to hear what they want to hear. Man, tell me about some money. I remember somebody telling me, man, it's hard going to the black church because, man, you feel beat up sometimes when you go home because they be telling you about all of this sin and this and that. But when I go to a church where there's other folk, you know, they're talking about this and that, and I feel so good just walking out. Well, all of that's great until you get knocked across the head. It's like Mike Tyson said, everybody got a plan until they get punched in the face. You know, you better have a plan, and you better hold firm to your plan, because there are people out here that are teaching stuff that's just not right, and people that want to hear what they want to hear. Next verse, please. Verse 4, it says, And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. False stories, fables. It says they shall turn away. So go back, And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. So basically, they're meaning they're going to take this word, they're going to take the word of God and make it mean whatever it wants to mean. That's the hour we're in right now. So, if you... uh, or of a different sexual persuasion, as they say, which I don't believe. There ain't no different sexual. You're either man or woman. There ain't no different sexual persuasion. You're either a man or a woman. There ain't no persuasion. We're not, we're not persuaded, at least. There's a man and there's a woman. Now, you do whatever else you want to do with it, but that's what that is. They're trying to persuade you with this, <laughs> that a man is not a man and a woman is not a woman. You know, there are people preaching a sissified Jesus that... You know, Jesus just loves everybody. He does. But he also told some people, he said, you like your father, the devil. So now, take your pick. (laughs) Either we're going to believe this, or you're going to read it and take whatever into your heart and mind and believe something different. We don't serve a sissified Jesus. We serve a Jesus and a God that has told us the way that this goes. He wrote it down for us. And so there's many people that sit around and say, "Oh, but that was just a time, that was just a season that they did that. You know, it was just some 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 uh, some flawed men that wrote this Bible here. None of this stuff makes sense. No, no, it makes sense. We just have to hold firm to the truth and not be swayed and be careful what we do and where we go because there's always something pulling at us. As I mentioned earlier, it's football season. There's basketball season." There's people trying to tell us that the Bible is saying something else, that we're reading it wrong some kind of way. When over and over and over and over and over, and over there's stuff saying, no, man, this is what this is. So, again, we're not, we're not turning away from this word. So as we see Paul exhorting Timothy in 2 Timothy, we see him saying these things to him that we should hold fast to the truth. It says, so next verse, please, verse 5. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. It's for us to be instant in season and out of season because there are people that are going to come, and we have to now be preparing for the season to come. The season that we're in right now, it's not like the season when I was a kid. When I was like this, it was cool to be a Christian. It was a great thing. You went to church, you made deals, you went out, you told people on your job uh, job interview, yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to such and such Baptist church, or I go to this church, or that church. Do that now. <laughs> do it now. Go on your next interview and shake the man's hand. Hey, how you doing? I'm Chris Lord. I'm a Christian. I go to Jesus Christ's Lord Ministries, and I, you know, I just do a lot around there. I, I just love it. I want to do everything there, and so on and so forth. But let me do that and, and see, see what happens, unless it's some other church possibly, maybe but go to any other secular place and do that. They're gonna look at you like, okay, your interview is over right there. You go and file 13 right there. They're not trying to deal with you. So the season that we're in, I'm saying that to say, the season that we're in right now, that we're living in, says that we, one, have to be wise and shrewd, so if you're going on a job interview, you might not want to do that. I didn't say don't be a Christian or a believer, you might not want to do that, but we also, have to recognize the season that we're in. It's not 1975 where it was good to be a Christian and and talk about the things that we're talking about in here. It's just not. We're in a season where if you're saying anything about Jesus Christ and saying it publicly, they're trying to put you back in your box. They're trying to cover you up, put you over in the corner, and tell you to stay right there for whatever reason. That's the season we're in. Okay, let's go, what I'd like to do now, let's go to Psalms chapter 74, verse 16. Psalms 74, 16 through 17. If you found this, say amen. I'm going to go ahead and start reading this right now. Thank you, Brother Jimmy. It says, the day is yours, and the day is yours. I'll read this one here. The day is thine, the night also is thine, Thou hast prepared the light and the sun. Thou hast set all the borders of the earth. Thou hast made summer and winter. Okay, so here we see the psalmist saying, talking about what God has done, that he has put all these things together. Unlike us humans, as I said earlier, God declares that he never changes. So God put all of these things for our good, all of these seasons together. He established them for our good so we could recognize If you look outside in a couple weeks, you're going to start seeing some birds flying, migratory birds. It's time for them to go. The season has changed. It's not conducive for them to be where they are. It's better elsewhere. And so is it in our lives. We have to recognize that God is there. He's constant. He gives us a free will to do whatever it is that we want to do. As seasons come, we can flow into one thing. We can stay where we're at. We can do another thing. You get to make that choice. But the only way to really, really know is through the Holy Spirit, is through Jesus, is through praying and seeking him. Because God is constant. He's he's fixed. He's there. Word not going to change. When Jesus died on the cross, he said it is finished. So all we have to do is hold firm to what we know and believe. And as these seasons and things take place, as we see them with our eyes, as we're contemplating them in our heart on what we should do, we just need to be connected to him, not what's going on around us. We want to take notice of those things. But the ultimate thing is to know what God has said uh, about, about, about him. I'm gonna I'm not gonna ask him to move forward on this and this one. Uh, Psalms 102. Well, yeah, let's go there. Psalms 102, 24-28. And we're gonna read that one. So we established that God is fixed. So Psalms 102, 24 through 28 says, I said, thank you, Brother Jimmy. I said, oh, my God, take me not away in the midst of my days. Thy years are throughout all generations. Of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. Again, you can stay right there. Here again, we see God doing his handiwork, putting things together for us. He said the, the, the heavens are the work of his hands. And God has put all of these things, all these seasons and everything in place. Next verse. It says, they shall perish, but thou shalt endure. God shall endure Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment. As a vesture shalt thou change them. A vesture is basically like a garment, a piece of clothing. And they shall be changed. Next verse. But thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. The children of thy servants shall continue, and their their seed shall be established before them. So here we see the psalmist talking about what God basically has done. He's established all of these things for us. And he says that for God, his seed, God's seed, shall be established. Therefore, there shall be no end to what he has placed to those that are serving him. So even in those times, as we go through times of changes and seasons, we should recognize, recognize that even though sometimes it seems like you're the only one in your field doing good, you're the only one doing uh, holding on, remember you're not. God has others that are, that are doing. It. it may seem like you may be isolated from them, but know that God has others that believe in him. Even in your field, you just may not be connected to him because he's going he's to do what he says he's going to do. He's gonna, he said that his seed shall be established before thee. So let's know that. So I want to go here uh, as we get closer to closing here in uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Go to Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. And as you're going there, this is an excerpt from Jesus' teaching of the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes was where God would say, Blessed are these, blessed that do this. And as he talked about, this to his disciples and to the people, he got to this point. And this scripture here, to me, is one of, one of those scriptures that kind of make the hairs on the back of my neck stand up when I, when I read through it and see it. So I'm going to read that now, and we'll talk briefly about it. It says, enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Let's go to the next, next, uh, next verse. I'm going to read down a little ways, probably to 23 or 24. Can we go to the, got the next one? Okay. Uh-oh. Let me get to it here. Okay, she's got it. It says, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You can go to the next scripture. So we already saw when we talked about false doctrine and false teachers and things of that nature. We're we're back here. So there's a season for these things going on. And ever since Jesus was here, there were people teaching false doctrine. But sometimes it kind of busts out, kind of like COVID, you know, just kind of over everything and it's ravaging things. And I believe that we're moving deeper and deeper into that day. It says, ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistle? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. So you can go to the next verse, just hold right there. So we know if we see bad fruit coming, you know that's not a good tree. So if you're listening to somebody and some bad stuff and it's not lining up with this word, you know you need to leave that alone. It says a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Next. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. That's just so scary to me. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? Let's see what he says. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. That's just so scary to me. Therefore, whosoever hear these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Amen. So that, to me, makes me shudder uh, in in what I'm doing. Uh, We saw all these things that these people did. They prophesied in the name of the Lord. They called on his name. They spoke up. All these things that they healed, did all kind of things. And for us to walk out our lives, you know, you could be out partying. You could be out doing all kinds of stuff if you're going to go to hell. The Bible says sin has pleasure for a season. So you can at least have a little pleasure down here (laughs) and not be sitting up in there listening to me if you're going to have to go up there and God going to say, I was trying to, you know, people were saying I prophesied and did all these things. And then he says, away from me, I never knew you. So it means that we have to daily examine ourselves when we do communion, that we're asking God, Lord. And and that's what I said, if I remember correctly, the last time. I was like, Lord, I don't want to be one of them. I don't want to be one of the Lord, Lord people. And then He said, Away from me! I never knew you, because as far as I'm concerned, I don't know anything else. I know Jesus. I don't know no other way. And my prayer is, Father, I don't want to come before you and not be and do what it is that I want to do. And as the seasons in my life continue to push forward, I'm always looking and trying to see, Lord. Where did I mess up? Did I say anything to my wife that I shouldn't have? Did I apologize correctly for those things that I said or did that were not right? Uh, Is there anybody that I wronged that I need to make this right with? And I try to examine in in, in different relationships that I've had with people, is that the way it's supposed to be for me with that person? Because I don't, and, and not just that, am I walking right? Am I doing, am I listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying? Lord, if I'm getting it wrong, if I'm praying wrong, please show me. And I truly believe that if we do those things, God is going to reveal some things to us if we're sincere. But we can't fake it. You, you, you can't fake it. A guy that can't shoot an arrow, you'll know. Once he pull it a couple times, they like, if he talking about he's been practicing and he good, you You'll know. Because usually what happens is, for people, and I say this all the time, people that are good, you ain't got to say they're good. You Just watch them. <laughs> They'll show you that they're good. And in the same way, we can't fool God, you know, to sit here and try to pull the wool over my eyes or your friend's eyes or your parents' eyes. You can't, you're not going to fool them. I, I, I've kind of gotten to a point now where when people come tell me certain things, I just, if, if I know they're lying, I just, all right, man, got gotcha. you. And then some certain things, again, you have to reprove and rebuke and then also exhort. But there's certain things, man, I already know. I've been doing this, whatever it is that we're doing, if it's something that I'm good at. I've been doing this too long. You can't pull the wool over me. The old saying, you hear people on them jobs say, I forgot more stuff than you learned or whatever. Man, there's certain things that I just know. You can't tell me, but, well, I'm doing, look, man, just listen. And in the same way, I have to do the same thing with God. Because there's certain things that come and I'm thinking I'm being sincere and all that stuff. And there's something that's not right. If it's not right in your heart, God knows. So it's better to just surrender. Surrender to him, just like a baby. When we hold our arms up, it's like holding our hands up to our, our father, to, our, to like a little baby holding their hands up to their parents. It's the same way. If there's something that we don't know, we just have to hold our hands up and say, Lord, this season that I'm in, I don't know what's going on. I need a change in my life. And only you can bring that change. And if we do that, God hears us. And the change that we seek and the change that we require and the seasons that we want to be in, as we go through those things, God will, God is faithful to his word. He's going to uphold his part of the promise. We just have to be sincere and stay firm with him. Amen. Amen.